Hello and welcome to Dear Franny, the podcast of uncommon conversations about love. I'm your host, Francesca Hoagie. Hello, how are you? I hope that wherever you are in the world, you are staying safe and healthy during these challenging times. And I am so excited. And I know that I'm always excited about my episodes and my guests on this show, but I mean, I'm really excited to share this interview with you, this conversation that I had with Paul C. Brunson. Paul is someone who is personally very important to me. He is the reason. He is absolutely the reason that I am a coach. He's the reason that I ever became a matchmaker. He's the reason that after years of being a lawyer, because um, in case you didn't know, that's what I used to do. I'm a recovering lawyer and I was practicing law for a number of years and always knowing that there was something more that I wanted to do with my life and I really struggled to know what that was. And I serendipitously one day was at a 4th of July barbecue and this was back in 2012. And I met a woman at the barbecue and she mentioned that there was this black male matchmaker named Paul Brunson that she followed on Twitter. And I was like, what? There's a black male matchmaker? At that point, I never knew anyone to be a matchmaker other than like the millionaire matchmaker. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And I immediately started following him on Twitter and it was not long before I realized, wow, this man is incredibly smart, principled, charismatic, and his perspective on things is just so amazing. And he completely inspired me and he actually wound up being a mentor to me. And so he's been a mentor and a friend to me for the past seven years that I've now known him in person. And I've had the pleasure of working for him and just learning so much from him. And so I'm really excited for you to hear this conversation. If you are struggling, whether you are single, whether you are in a relationship, whether you are just trying to figure out what you're going to do about your career, your business at this time, Paul drops so much wisdom in this conversation. And just a little bit more about him, because I could talk about him. I could gush all day. Paul, he is a serial entrepreneur. He's a television host and a columnist whose specialty lies in teaching others professional and social skills. He's an internationally recognized expert in interpersonal relationships, personal development, and entrepreneurship. He currently is the co-host of the UK series Celebs Go Dating, and he is the host of the upcoming Better With Paul podcast and event series. And Oprah Winfrey herself, okay, Oprah herself, said that Paul is much more than a matchmaker. And it's so true. He is such an inspiration to so many people, and I am very excited. So without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Paul Brunson. So Paul C. Brunson, Paul Carrick Brunson, welcome to Dear Franny. I'm really excited to talk to you today. How are you? Blessed. Yes. Blessed. Yeah. Very, yeah. very much so. Very much so. I'm, uh, I mean, I'm right now I'm sipping a coffee, looking over the Thames. It's uh, about 71 degrees Fahrenheit out here in London. Like I just, I'm feeling blessed. Amazing. Oh, you are in one of my favorite cities in the world. So you have become this international superstar <laughs> <laughs> now that you are one of the co-hosts of Celebrities Go Dating and you just wrapped your second season, correct? No. Oh, you know what's crazy, friend? What? That was my, you ready for it? What? My fourth season. No. Yeah, that was my fourth. Like, we film almost all year long out here, and we film two series per year. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, that was my fourth series. We're getting ready. We're gearing up for my fifth series. Amazing. How is that going for you? How do, do you love it? Is it how is it different from what you expected to be versus how it's turned out to be? Oh man, well, I mean, I uh w- well, one is the quickest is I absolutely love it. It's one of when I when I look back, hopefully when I'm 210 when I pass away, when I'm, you know, 210, <laughs> 209 somewhere in there, uh, I'm going to look back and say this was one of the biggest like blessings of my life, this project, for many reasons. But the quick of it is I didn't have any expectations coming in. The reason why I quite honestly took the job is because my wife and I just wanted to move out of the States. <laughs> like that was, really? I, I, yeah, I hate to just break it down. It was that simple. A matter of fact, something that I find to be very powerful is, is this whole notion of acting before you know. And so this was two summers ago now. My wife and I had right around, actually, it was right around now. It was right around kind of March, April-ish. We decided that we wanted to move out of the country during the summer. So we intentionally blocked everything we were doing in July and August and said, we're going to just move out of the country for July and August. We're just going to get out of here. You know, Trump is on our nerves. Oh my you God. know, it, it's, <laughs> it's um, you know, we want to, our boys to uh, experience another culture. So we were looking at Jamaica and we were literally, we were plotting Jamaica, but we had not yet booked anything in Jamaica, but we had held those dates July through August, all the way up to September. And lo and behold, this opportunity came up. Look at that. Got a call. It fit the exact dates. So we were ready to go. And we're now going on three years living in London. Oh my God. Wow. Time goes by so quickly. I can't even believe it's been three years. You seem like you're having a blast. And uh, first of all, shout out to your wife, Jill. Shout out Jilly B. And your boys seem like they're having an amazing time. I mean, it's it's very inspiring to see your family and just the level of exposure that you and Jill give to Kingston and Liam of just culture and art and music and cooking and so many different things. Do you think that that's something that people can do who aren't able to move to another country? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's interesting thinking about this because, you know, currently as we're talking, we're uh, we're under lockdown. In the UK, we're legally under lockdown right now. So we have been homeschooling our boys for two years. And I say we, but quite honestly, (laughs) is Jill Jill. doing everything. (laughs) But now that we're under lockdown, I am the PE teacher and I'm the history teacher. (laughs) These These are my two jobs, right? So I teach PE every morning, and then I teach history every other day, basically. And one of the things I realized, you know, teaching them them history is that, wow, there's so much that we can do just in our homes, using online. You know, for example, today I was teaching my six-year-old about the uh, Great Wall of Benin. You know, pulled a video from online. I read certain things you know, acted certain things out, tried to show him how long the wall is and how it's longer than the Great Wall of China and all of these incredible things. And I believe these are things we can all do without the travel. But the reason why we're here, one of the reasons why we're here in Europe is because this is a great, as you know, Fran, like this is so close in proximity to so many other countries and cultures. Such an amazing jumping off point. Oh my God, it's the perfect jump off. So we could study something and then go to it. Like, um, I think the best example of this and something that I'll never forget is my oldest Kingston was, he wanted to study Dracula. 
<laughs> and so he was like, yeah, I want to. And I said, why do you want to study Dracula? He said, oh, because, you know, one of the guys that works in our building, he sounds like he's Dracula. And, <laughs> and I said, so why don't you ask him, where is he from? And then he goes down, he asks him, he comes back and he says, oh, he's from Romania. And then so my son says, well, you know, Dracula was from Romania. And I was like, Kingston, come on. There's no Dracula. What are you talking about? Lo and behold, right? There is. There is a Dracula. Yes. He is a historical figure, a real person. <laughs> real person, Vlad Tepish. And the beauty is that we were able to do the curriculum and then the next weekend fly to Romania. Wow. You know, go visit Vlad's castle, actually experience it on the ground and to do it relatively inexpensively. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's beautiful. It is. Oh my God, it's so beautiful. I love that. Yeah, I think people don't realize maybe people who haven't had the opportunity or the good fortune to be able to travel very much outside of the US. When you go to, especially from London, you know, Heathrow is the busiest airport in the world and you can get the cheapest flights anywhere in the world from Heathrow. And once you get there, you really can get really cheap tickets everywhere, especially in Europe. And it it is such an amazing jumping off point. Oh man, we flew from Heathrow to Bucharest, right, in Romania, and it cost about uh, like the equivalent of a little over a hundred US for round trip tickets. Round trip tickets. Like, you can't even go from DC to New York for that. Oh, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, I think that, you know, as someone who has prioritized travel for much of my life, I think people who don't travel think or haven't traveled a lot think that, like, oh, you must be balling. And I'm like, you have no idea how cheaply you can actually see the world. Okay, so obviously now we're in the time of COVID 19. And as you mentioned, London, you guys are really, really locked down. We're locked down here in LA too. Not quite as strict as London, I don't think though our restrictions are tightening up, like starting tomorrow, face masks are going to be required. If you are in any kind of public place, like in a store or anything like that, everything is closed. (laughs) You know, um, they close the parks and the beaches and and I wonder, obviously, this is a rapidly developing situation and everyone is adjusting, but you have so stepped into a role of real mentorship and thought leadership and not just when it comes to relationships, which is kind of, I guess, your not certainly not your original career, um, because I know you had an MBA from Georgetown, you worked in finance, you had a whole career before you first became a matchmaker. And now that's, you know, grown into so many other things, but you have you know, you're such a great person that people can turn to, to really like, okay, uh, what does Paul have to say about this? <laughs> like, <laughs> how do I navigate what's going on? So I guess, I mean, my first question for you about it is just what's been your thought process in terms of how you are making sense of this new reality and your approach to dealing with the uncertainty of it all? Well, the first thing I do is drink two bottles of wine. This has become a thing where it wasn't as much of a thing, but as you know, friend, like you get to Europe, you know, it feels like it's just the alcohol (laughs) consumption just goes up. Very different relationship with alcohol. (laughs) It's like, what's the big deal? What are you talking about? Just have a bottle of wine. Come on. (laughs) Yeah. So so now I'm at two. But no, I tell you, I've been assessing this, right? Because as you said, my first really career was in investment banking and I was an analyst. And as an analyst, as an equity analyst, it was my job to look at lots of data and to determine what, where the trends are, right? Where the trends fall in the data. And I feel like that's always been kind of my go-to. It's, and so I've been looking at all of the data, right? And I see 
you know, one is I'm always an optimist. So I see the opportunity, but I also see a lot of devastation, a lot of destruction, a lot of disaster as well. And I don't want to be the, the doomsday person, but this is a really fascinating time. And I think I'm seeing so many things play out for me personally. Like, so for example, I always thought, I always looked at America, right, the United States as this incredible machine that no matter who was at the top of the helm, right, it was a functioning, operating, mm. well-oiled machine. Yes, I think many people have been disabused of that notion at this oh time. My, oh my goodness. <laughs> you know, to the extent where I see how other nations, like the UK as a commonwealth, I think has done a pretty good job ensuring that the public is safe, right? And and I think that's a primary responsibility of government, right? Is to make sure that your constituents are safe. So you look at just the larger economics of that and you can see how other nations are emerging. You can also see how distance is evaporated through online communication. Like you are, you're in California, you're in LA right now. I'm in London, and this is something that you and I probably would have done a year or two years ago, right? But we were still the exception, right? Most people were not doing remote. If you turn on your television right now, you go on to a big morning show like Good Morning America, you'll see everyone is going live from home. This kind of notion, this understanding of, wow, you know what, we can operate in this remote type of relationship is something that is going to be embedded in how we operate. And I think this will have profound effects, right? We now see how Amazons and the Instacarts and the Deliveroo's, right, are going to get larger and larger. You see how businesses that weren't agile, didn't have any type of remote built into what they were doing, distance built in, how they're just going to go away. It's a new economy that's being ushered in, you see how completely different we are as people, right? You could see the divide. You could see parents who were ready to go. They had their curriculum, right? They're ready to go. But you see how the children are just being left behind. Like literally I was, and this is, this is a joke, but not a joke. My wife and I were talking about someone who we knew who basically told her son, you know what? I can't help you. Just focus on your rap career right now. <gasps> oh no. How old is her son? Maybe 13, 14 years old. Oh, wow. You know, but you see how <laughs> ill-equipped parents are. This is like a great time of reckoning. And so I think the best thing that all of us can do is to reflect on the moment, reflect where we are, and just identify what can we do to become better? Because mm. this will happen again. And not only will it happen again, but it'll happen, you know, at 10x the intensity or, you know, 100x the intensity. I certainly agree with all of that. And I guess I wonder, what is your guess about when the world goes back to not normal, <laughs> what we what was normal a month ago, two months ago, I, you know, I, I can't imagine we're ever going to see that again, just because that's just not how change works, right? I guess... You know, what is your best guess? And I know this is speculative, but I also know, obviously, you've given a lot of thought to this about how much of all of the virtual, you know, remote connectivity that we've embraced now, how much is that going to continue when we still have the option to be face to face? This is a great question. I think all of it. Wow. Mm -hmm. You know, so I have, uh, this is definitely a topic I've been reflecting on, like almost every day I think about it. And I've been interviewing numerous people all over the world. I interviewed, there's a, um, 
There's a big equity firm out here called Cornerstone Partners. I interviewed the uh, the head partner there to find out where are they investing. I interviewed another gentleman who's with Backstage Capital from the U.S. Yes. Hey, shout out to Arlen Hamilton. I'm actually interviewing her tomorrow. Oh, wow. Incredible. So obviously they have uh, their outfit here. I've just been interviewing everyone I can around this topic. And what I realize is that there's an enormous amount of investment or dollars going into anything that is online, affordable, and deals with education. This seems to be the key. This is like the through line, right? If it's online, deals with educating, it doesn't have to be, you know, high school curriculum, right? It could be, you know, you are going to teach the teacher. You're going to teach coaches how to coach, right? Whatever it may be. But this is the through line, this affordability, this distance, this remote. And the reason why is because we as a mass of people are now familiar with it, right? You know, you, Fran, you have been familiar with it, but once again, you are the exception. I feel very lucky. (laughs) But most people, like my mom, she had never gone on to an Instagram Live before. Never. But now... She pops on Instagram Live. She's like, I like this. My mom too. I had to teach her how to do it a week ago. <laughs> but see, this this is the thing. Like, you know, my mother had never ordered from Instacart before. You have millions of people who are basically rushed onto these digital platforms. And now that they are, they absolutely love it, right? And then on top of it, you have businesses that are realizing that they were operating very inefficiently, very inefficiently with their brick and mortar, you know? And so I think that we keep almost all of it. The other kind of thing to touch on here that I think is really interesting is how much media we're consuming now. It's crazy. <laughs> crazy. Crazy. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy. So mm-hmm. here in the UK, BBC is one of the you know leading stations, channels. On an average night, maybe one, two million people will watch BBC. Now it's about 15 million. It's almost like a throwback to the olden days when we had three channels, you know, and TV shows would get 25 million viewers, 30 million viewers, right? And those types of numbers are unheard of now in television. But there is a return to that in the sense that like, we're all kind of trapped. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) And we're going to the same places for our information and entertainment. We are. And for a lot of us, it's new, right? Mm -hmm. And we like it. Like, you know, most of our friends and contemporaries have, you know, probably have Netflix, right? But there are a lot of people who are just discovering Netflix right now as a result of the lockdown. Mm -hmm. And they like what they see and they like the accessibility, right? So you're going to see, I think we're going to see media consumption, especially visual media consumption, is going to stay high. It won't be as high, because right, we're going to get out, but it's going to stay high. Because the other part of this, I firmly believe is, so pre- COVID-19, we all saw, right, a massive rise in festivals, massive conferences, like the conferences and festivals were just getting bigger and bigger Mm -hmm. and more and more and more and more and more. And now in just a matter of a few months, gone, gone and perhaps done for our lifetime. That's so crazy. I believe what we're going to see is we're going to see now the rise of intimate gatherings. It's going to be much more popular to go to the 25-person retreat for the weekend versus to go to Afro Nation, right, in, in Puerto Rico. This is going to really be a thing. And so events are going to completely change, completely change. It's just fascinating. It's really, I mean, it feels like 
I mean, it's been, I think, a month now since I've been personally locked down. And I mean, it, it honestly feels like a year ago. I'm like, I can't believe I used to just go to, to a nail salon and get my nails done and <laughs> go out and have drinks. It's so bizarre. So I, I would love to get your take and get your advice to people who are listening who don't have the level of clarity and uh, perspective that you do on, you know, on what's going on. And I guess kind of three buckets sort of come to mind. And one are people who are single, right? And who are like, okay, does this mean that I never get to meet anyone now? Two are people who are in relationships who are like, wait, you mean I have to actually (laughs) deal with my partner now? (laughs) And then three, people who are dealing with um, major career and financial insecurity, you know, as a result of all of the, the rapid changes. So starting with dating, for the single person who's like, what do I do now? What is your advice? All right. I think I am the complete exception on this topic because I believe this is the best time in modern history to date. Tell me more. I mean, I'm with you, actually. I've been saying the same thing. I'm like, oh, wow. This is a really great time to date people. I think this is a great time, but I would love to hear why you think it's a great time. And maybe the I haven't said the best. I've said a great time, but you are saying the best. That's a strong statement, which I love. You always go there. All right. So for me, what I'm noticing is that right now, so actually, let's look at pre-COVID-19, right? Pre-COVID-19, oh my God, we were in disaster land. Like it was straight up. It was getting bad. Oh man, (laughs) it's terrible out here on these streets all over the world, you know, and ultimately what it boiled down to, and I truly, truly believe this is, you know, I've been talking about this for, for quite a bit. Barry Swartz wrote the book, Paradox of Choice. Yes. Coined less is more. We truly moved into everyone. We moved into this maximizer mindset of more is better, but actually more is less. Mm -hmm. So this idea that we can go online, first it was, let's go to online websites, like a match. Then it was, let's even go bigger to like the Tinders of the world. Then it was like, forget that. Let's just use Instagram. Instagram is now like the number one dating app. Mm-hmm. And the idea was because I have access to more people, that's better. And that's the fallacy, right? Totally. That's the fallacy. And ultimately, as you know, Fran and Barry argued, right? And psychologists definitely know this is that we derive less satisfaction with our actual options when we have, when we believe we have endless options. Right. Right. So what we have right now is limited options, <laughs> limited options. This is like a throwback to when my grandfather was growing up in Jamaica in his little town and he had three. There was three women in his town <laughs> of age. You know, that was it. Yeah. It gets a lot easier to find a partner when there are only three options. <laughs> It gets a lot easier and it actually increases your satisfaction with the choice you make. Yes. I think that just for people who are listening, I think that's the part that people don't understand that when you have so many options or, you know, a perception of so many options that when you do finally choose one, you feel less satisfied. Exactly. So now we're in a zone where, where we don't have it. The other thing that I like about right now is if you meet somebody wherever, right? It could be a friend. It could be on IG. It could be wherever. And you two decide to actually, hey, let's do a video date. Like, let's get together and do this because there's a lot of video dating going on right now. Yes, there is. (laughs) The beauty is that you get a chance to really assess the effort. I'm seeing some incredibly romantic, 
creative virtual dates happening right now. People sending ingredients over to the person they're going on the date with and say, hey, we're going to cook tonight together on video. Or, you know, hey, I'm going to send you a bottle of this. We'll drink together, right, on this. And so you see the creativity go up, but then you also see the people who have no game. (laughs) You do. Who have no, like, no creativity. And you know, they're duds. Like, they're not in it, right? Like, and I'm not disrespecting them, but I'm just saying they're not ready right now. And therefore, you don't have to play this whole cat and mouse. It's really simple right now to see who is in this for real. Yeah. Who is commitment material? Who is creative? And, and all of that is sexy. It's like, you know, I think so much of us, so many of us, should I say, are hung up on that freaking photo that we see. <laughs> and we all know every photo is doctored, it's like, is you know, it's filtered. It's... But on these videos, we get a chance to really assess somebody's just like, their vibe, their energy, their, you can't hide in a video call the way you can hide on a, you know, Tinder photo. That's for sure. (laughs) Yeah. And then the last thing I like about it, about right now is if you connect with somebody online and you're like, Hey, let's do this date, you know, on Friday. And they're like, no, no, I'm busy. (laughs) (laughs) You know, red flag. It's so true. Oh my God. That is so true. Yeah. And if somebody's too busy to talk to you now, guess what? (laughs) They are not interested. They are not in it. (laughs) They are not in it to win it. (laughs) Or they're home with their wife. I was thinking, I was like, oh, how many cheaters have been really thwarted? How many clandestine love affairs are just like dead in the water at, at this point? But I agree with everything that you said. And, you know, I've been encouraging my clients to go on virtual dates and, you know, doing a lot of brainstorming with people about how they can keep those fun and interesting. And the feedback has been amazing. People are having, like you said, they're having these really romantic dates. You know, so much creativity is at play and a level of effort. It's like a return to an old-fashioned kind of courtship when you couldn't just be like, hey, want to meet up tonight and get a drink? It's like, no, you actually have to invest time and effort and energy. And you don't know when you're going to get to meet this person face to face. Exactly. It takes someone who's really motivated to invest in that. So um, I love that. So yes, I agree with everything. Everyone who is single, listen to Paul. He knows what he's talking about. (laughs) Good times. Good times. Okay. So what about people who are in relationships and they're now figuring out how to be with their partners 24 seven. And I know it's similar to like what you were saying with you and Jill already work together, spend so much time together. You already have been homeschooling your boys. So this is less of an adjustment for the two of you, I would imagine, than it is for the typical couple who maybe only see each other, you know, a few hours a day, you know, at most. So what's your advice for people in that situation? Yeah, this is the one where, man, my heart goes out to so many people on this because, you know, talking to a lot of my good friends, same same with you, Frank, good friends are, are therapists, marriage therapists, and every single one is saying how divorce rates are really going to go just through the roof. They're, they'll skyrocket after this. And then on top of it, and this is, I think, the most sad element to this is the level of domestic violence all over the world. And the number one inbox message that I've received over the last week has been, Paul, my friend, 
is being beaten. Her phone is cut off. I don't know what to do. Or oh. my my boyfriend is beating my kids now. You know, I don't know what to do. Like it's to a level where I had to call in several of my friends who are psychologists here in the UK, sit them down, hear from them what advice I should be giving. You know, I've started doing a video series. As a matter of fact, I'm doing an Instagram live this weekend specifically on the topic. It's just incredibly sad when you look at the level of domestic violence that's up. Look at the level of suicides that's up. Look at the level of anxiety. So this is a really serious situation. Yeah. And for, you know, so I guess I would have thoughts for depending on the scenario that you're in. You know, Mm -hmm. first, if you're in a scenario where your life feels threatened, I'm about to say something that sounds absolutely ludicrous and crazy, but this is the advice that every psychologist working in domestic violence has told me. And that is, unless, and I hate to say this, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. And remember, I'm not going to say I'm giving advice on this because this is not my area of expertise. Mm -hmm. I'm just relaying what I've been told. If you're in a scenario where you are being abused, chances are if you report that abuser, the abuser will not be locked up. Instead, they'll be booked and they'll be sent right back to your home and they'll be sent right back angry. Horrifying. It is so horrendous that in France, what they've started doing is opening up hotels where domestic violence victims can go to those hotels. But the problem is that the jails are not receiving, right, these folks. So unless the abuser kills their victim, they're not being locked up. So I have literally heard psychologists tell me that they're telling the people that they're working with to say, you just got to hold out. (gasps) You got to hold out. Really? This is exactly what I've heard. Unless it's a scenario like France, for example, where you can actually go somewhere where it's set up because the, you know, unfortunately, talking about our government and our systems, they have not set themselves up to receive or to manage the situation. Right. It's even down to the point where my psychologist friends are telling me, well, after your child is beaten, right, here's what you do. And by the way, if anyone is listening in this scenario, everyone has told me that the number one thing that you do is immediately you have your child do some type of exercise because the mobility is going to help to reduce the trauma. And so you have them exercise for about five to 10 minutes. And then immediately after the exercise, you have them read to you and then you read to them. And that's going to be soothing and that will help to reduce the trauma and the stigma that comes with that. And so it's just a horrendous situation. So Mm -hmm. that's one kind of side of the scale. But then there's the other side of the scale, right? Which is the masses, which is just, hey, I'm with someone that I haven't spent this much time with. Oh, Lord, what do I do? And my best suggestion, and a matter of fact, I was talking to a friend about this yesterday who she was telling me how her husband goes out every night in their neighborhood and the men in the neighborhood have social distance parties where they, yeah, where they kind of just like drink together Mm. and they're at social distance, but not really. But the issue that I find there, and they're having issues, the issue is, is that that's escaping. You can't just escape and think it's all going to be better. So the best thing I believe that we can do right now is to really spend time listening to each other. This is a great time to listen 
to each other. So that is everything from dialogues and chats to let's just play cards together, have a conversation. Let's, you know, listen to music together. Activities that allow us to communicate and further learn about each other and understand each other's passions and values. I think this is really, really important because when you do that, when you're fully in tune with someone and, you know, it's a blessing that my wife and I are fully in tune, then when scenarios like this happen, it's a blessing. Like straight up, friend, almost every day my wife and I say, this is the best thing for us. Because we love just spending time with each other. But this is, I mean, we've been married for 20 years. And so to get to that point, it was a lot of, a lot of conversations, right? <laughs> a lot of activities together. But so, yeah, in that second category, it ranges, fully ranges. Absolutely. Wow. I watched the Instagram live video that you did about domestic abuse at this time. I guess it was last week. I don't know. My concept of time is really bad. I don't know. Maybe it was yesterday or... I did that a year ago, actually. <laughs> <laughs> feels like. And I actually shared that also on my Instagram because I think that's such an important conversation. And there are a lot of people who are in those types of situations that it's not talked about, um, even in the best of times. So I'm grateful that you are being a voice for those people and giving them some guidance as to how they can navigate their situation. And I know this, you know, so this third category, I know this is very broad because this is everything from people who are, you know, being maybe laid off from their jobs to people who are entrepreneurs. And obviously you are a huge expert on entrepreneurship and have had a very successful career as an entrepreneur. So I know this is very broad, but I guess, what are the biggest questions that people are asking you in terms of their business or their career right now? And what's your kind of general advice for people who are trying to figure out, okay, what do I do now? How do I navigate this next chapter? My business went away, my job went away. Now what do I do? Yeah, I I love this question. So lots of questions are coming in and I've been going live, you know, every Monday and Friday right now just to bring people together and discuss topics. But the number one topic right now, quite honestly, is how people can make money. You know, how if you're an entrepreneur, you're a creator, what can you do now to generate income? You know, and it's interesting because yesterday, I had three friends, one in the dating space, come to me and was like, Paul, everything is dried up. What do I do? And so what I did is I just I just started writing and I'm going to I think I'm going to do like a full, you know, deep dive on this. But some ideas that I have right out the gate on what people can do is, um, you know, and this is not in, in any particular order. This is just generally the first thing is I've noticed a lot of people slash entrepreneurs have expenses that are completely unnecessary, you know, and so this is the time to eliminate everything that is unnecessary. You know, I live a very minimal life and I think it's very important to sustain that. Like, so I started living in a very minimal life in 2008, really when Jill and I were launching uh, the matchmaking business and we had no money, but we've, for the most part, sustained that, you know, minimalism. And so that's just kind of number one, right? But outside of that, I believe that everyone has a skill. Everyone has a level of experience that someone else could learn from. And so immediately, I think 
folks should be going to the Upworks, or if you live in the UK, it's Worksome or the Top Talls. But there are dozens and dozens of freelancer websites that everyone could go on to and at least advertise what it is they do. At least have those sites right 24-7 promoting who you are and what you do because the freelancers are definitely being picked up right now, right? So that's one. Secondly is that you know, so I have a love-hate relationship with publishing, with book publishing. But one thing I see right now is that consumption of certain books are up. And the certain books that consumption is up in are books that are about specific topics, I'm sorry, specific themes for this specific time. So everything COVID-19 related is being consumed everywhere, right? Podcasts, right? Ebooks, you know, everything. So if you can identify a specific theme for this specific time and publish within the next four weeks, that's going to be a book that will live for the next quarter or more. And you will definitely generate sales on. So like my friend, I was saying like, everyone's talking about dating. How do you date in COVID-19? How do you date online, right? Go as specific as possible. So maybe that would be dating in New York online, right? You know, video dating during COVID-19, right? So things like that, right? So specific, that's another one. A third, and I have lots of these, but a third I'll just say is that we have to keep in mind that in a recession, industries, they contract, right? They get smaller. But what often happens is entrepreneurs, small business owners, micro business owners don't realize that they actually have assets. So they just let their business go bust. Opposed to consolidating with an existing business. This is the best time for entrepreneurs to humble themselves and say, you know what? I was running a lackluster business for the last five years, right? I was just making my rent payment, all right? This is not a profitable business. I need to align myself with someone who is running a business that is complementary to mine. So this is a great time for businesses to consolidate because I will say that chances are if you are a small business owner and you've launched your business within the last you know few years and you don't consolidate you will be out of business within the next month you know so it's one of these where i think consolidation this is a great time i have literally been playing business matchmaker to a lot of my friends saying wow you know you do this thing over here you do this thing over here you two should get together right do this together that's a great idea those are some thoughts amazing Oh, I knew I knew you'd have so much wisdom to share. That's a great idea. Consolidating your business with someone else. Very intriguing. Mm, I like that. That's good. Okay, so I have one last question for you, but I'm going to fuse it. So typically, I always ask my guests, if you had a megaphone that was loud enough for the whole world to hear and you could send out one message about love, what would that message be? You kind of do have a megaphone that's loud enough for the whole world to hear. You know, across your platform, you've got a great reach. But I also want to just add on that because I was thinking about that when I was thinking about this interview. And I was thinking about, first of all, it's been now seven years since you and I first met, which is crazy. And like time really does by so quickly. And that's when we were 12. way back when we were 12, you know, middle school. And, you know, my life has changed so drastically since then. I credit you fully with being the person who, like, I wouldn't have the business that I have if not for you, because you were my inspiration and my mentor. Do you remember how I cornered you if the Matchmaking Institute conference was like, hi, will you be my mentor? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I do. (laughs) 
I always tell people, I'm like, that is not the way to get a mentor in general. <laughs> Don't do that to people. Well, no, well, you know, you scared me into it. That was the thing. <laughs> you threatened me into it. That was... Fear does work. It works sometimes, but other people doing that. And if you see Paul somewhere, don't do this. But <laughs> but I guess I, I was thinking about how my view of love and what it took to have a compatible relationship and just a, an approach to love has changed so much, you know, versus seven years ago when I was really naive and thought like, oh, you just have to like, you know, introduce people who have like shared values and they'll be happy. Um, I have the question about, you know, what is the message that you would want to send out to the world about love? But I also would love to hear maybe how that has changed for you over the years from when you first started matchmaking. How long ago now when you first started matchmaking? 12 years ago. Okay. Yeah. This is a really good question. I mean, I, uh, it's one of these where I I don't know if I've ever had this question. I, um, I, you know, so, all right, the megaphone first, if I had this worldwide megaphone, I would give the, you must truly love yourself that's where it begins and that's where it ends and that's also what i have learned in the 12 years of being in the matchmaking space and even in the 20 years of marriage you know i was under the notion just like you friend of you know it's about all these external factors it's about the values and it's about you know how do you communicate together it's about all these things but come to truly realize that it's the internal that drives that external and there's no one that i know that doesn't love themselves to a certain degree that also has a successful relationship period whether that be platonic whether that be you know business related and definitely romantic this journey in life and with a partner, I always say it's very interdependent, right? So there's the two of you and there's that kind of dependence on the partnership, but it's also independent. And it's really about this journey of self. And I've found personally that I'm constantly working on myself, constantly, right? And I can look back and say the times in our marriage where things were bad or shaky was when I quite honestly was probably at my lowest of loving myself. When I look at the relationships of matches that I've made or people that I just know that get together, when there's a level of self-love, it typically works. When one person has it, one person doesn't, it typically doesn't. And so that's what I would shout to the world is the importance of loving yourself and working on that journey of unconditional self-love. Like that is cliche and I quite honestly don't know if I'm at that zone of I unconditionally love myself, but you know what? I feel like I'm all right. That's important. That's exactly what uh, what I would shout. And that's what I've learned. Yes, yes. I actually feel, I feel the same. I mean, I think self-love, it's all about self-love. And I know that's a very abstract concept to some people, but I guess the thing that I always like to say about self-love and people who are really trying to figure out how to love themselves more is number one is just to really remember that love is a verb. So it's an action yes. and that includes self-love. So starting to treat yourself with love, even if you don't 100% feel it yet, if you do do that consistently enough, right, then your feelings will start to catch up. And I 
think that that is incredibly wise and um, valuable for everyone who's listening. So I thank you so much, Paul. You are just such a special person to me. And um, I'm really grateful for you for all that you do. And one little last thing, tell the listeners how they can stay in touch with you. I mean, I'm going to link to your social media and your and your website and the show notes and all of that. So everyone who's listening, be sure to check that. But if, is there anything in particular that you want to highlight as a way for people to connect with you or what you're doing and the work that you're putting out into the world? Yeah. And, and that I appreciate the social media connection, I think is, is always good at Paul C. Brunson. And what I've been trying to do is to show up differently on each of the platforms, right? So if you feel like I have a split personality, it's only because <laughs> I'm really trying to kind of display a different part of my personality on, on each platform. But at Paul C. Brunson, and I couldn't leave without saying, friend, very proud of you. I re- like, you know, just, I swear, I'm not gonna go on long with this, but I just gotta say this. <laughs> oh, go on, I'm very comfortable with compliments. <laughs> Just go ahead, spend as much time as you want. (laughs) You think about like, especially times like this, COVID-19, you begin to, you begin to think about, you know, mortality and you begin to think about what was your significance in this world. And ultimately, I think everyone gets to the point where you realize that your value here on earth is to be of value to someone else. And many of us, I think the more ambitious of us, want to be of value to as wide a number of people as as possible, right? But as I get older, I realize that the breath is nice, but it's the depth that's more important, right? You wanna be able to really have added value to someone to the point where you can actually see how they then continue that cycle, right? And that to me, is beautiful because I think that's the closest that we can get to immortality is to have our ideas and our thoughts move and flow through us to someone and then to someone else because those thoughts and ideas that's alive like that's energy and when I think about what you do right and what you've done sometimes I do see wow this was like maybe a conversation that Fran and I had or maybe this was an interaction that we had or maybe like I think there is nothing more that we can ask from life than that. That's it. That's the highest level of evolution, in my opinion. And so for that, I thank you very much. And I'm extraordinarily uh, proud of you. And just a side note is you're exceptional at this. You're very good. I pay a lot of attention to communicators and your, your style here is incredibly fluid. It's cool. It's calm. Yet we are on task like we're on format so excellent work oh my goodness thank you so much paul i just i'm i'm just i'm very honored and humbled and beyond grateful for you so thank you so much you got it thank you and you stay safe and healthy please (laughs) yeah you too keep drinking two bottles two bottles a night And there you have it, my conversation with Paul C. Brunson. If you have not already gone to his social media, his Instagram, his Twitter, find him on LinkedIn, find him. You do want to follow this man, I promise you. Everything he shares is valuable and you also get to see real behind the scenes of his life with his wife, Jill, and their beautiful boys. And it's, I mean, I don't have kids and that's not something that's a goal for me, but when I see Paul and Jill with their boys, I'm like, oh man, if I 
I were to ever have children, that is the kind of parent I would want to be. So they just, they're inspiring. Paul's amazing. And I just very much encourage you to connect with him. If you visit the show notes, you will have links to his social media and to his website. Also in the show notes, you will find links to not only my social media at Dear Franny. If you follow me on Instagram, then you will be in the know about when I am doing my next virtual sound bath, which I've been doing as a free gift to the community. And I'm going to be doing those on Instagram live every Sunday for the foreseeable future. So be sure to follow me on Instagram at Dear Franny if you're interested in having a little bit of relaxation and calming down your nervous system and taking your mind off of all that's going on in the world right now. Also, I'm offering pay what you can one hour coaching sessions. So if you are struggling with figuring out how to date at this time, or you're trying to figure out what your next move is going to be in terms of your career, or you're just dealing with social isolation and um, you want to talk about that and get some ideas about how you can be more connected, then there is a link in my bio to also make an appointment for one of those pay what you can coaching sessions. And then finally, there's also a link. Oh, I said bio. I meant show notes. You know what I meant? There's also a link in the show notes to book a coaching discovery session. So if you think that you might be interested in coaching and doing a real deep dive into clearing whatever blocks are standing between you and the relationship that you want to have, then I also invite you to book a coaching discovery session. They're 45 minutes. They're totally free. And there is a link in the show notes to reserve one of those spots as well. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you. I do not take it for granted that your time is precious and you are spending a bit of it with me today. And I'm very grateful for that. So wherever you are in the world, please stay safe, stay healthy. And until next time. Bye.